Welcome to Campaign Chemistry, where we pick the brains of creative alchemists, business wizards, and marketing geniuses behind the world's greatest brands. I'm your host, Allison Weisbrot, editor of Campaign US, and my guest this week is Ross Borden, CEO of travel site Matador Network. Borden, a hardcore adventure traveler, bootstrapped Matador in 2006 with $11,000. He quickly amassed a network of thousands of travel writers and adventurers and pioneered a successful business in branded content. Today, that business has evolved into full-fledged production studio for brands, making custom content, hooking them up with influencers, and distributing that content to its millions of readers and social media followers. Borden chats about navigating COVID as a travel publisher, where the business stands today, and the constant juggling act of being a successful digital media company. Hey, Ross, how are you? Doing well, thanks. Thanks for being here. Yeah, so happy to be tell, here. Us, tell us a little bit about Matador Network. Um, what exactly is it? And, and talk about how you how you started it. Yeah, so um, the easiest way to explain Matador is basically if you took, if, if BuzzFeed and National Geographic had a love child, that would be Matador. So we are a digital first media company focused on travel and adventure lifestyle. Um, I started the company 15 years ago and basically we took a pretty unorthodox approach, bootstrapped a media company. I started with $11,000. We started with very little, you know, angel funding, just did one round. And then, um, yeah, we're fast growth, eight figure business, super profitable. And, um, it's, it's gotten, it's been a long road, but it's super exciting now. Obviously there have been major challenges in the last 12 months with COVID being, you know, standing at the, the intersection of global media spend and travel was kind of a, a, a tough place to be standing during a global pandemic. But, um, we've, you know, had a huge recovery and just been kind of a rocket ship since last uh, Q4 of last year. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I came to this space really not knowing anything about media. It's not my background. Um, I was a big traveler my whole life and, you know, was lucky enough to travel a bit when I was young and then really caught the bug when I was like, you know, adolescent teenage years, I was, obsessed with doing anything I could to, um, to move around the world, especially, you know, adventure travel. So I was like, you know, by the time I was out of high school, I was like running with the bulls and trying to Mm -hmm. climb Mount Kilimanjaro. I worked in Kenya for five months, um, when I was a kid and fell in love with Africa. So, and just sort of like hitchhiked all over East Africa by myself. So I was like really uh, committed to adventure travel from a very young age. And then I came back, I, I finished college um, in Colorado and went down to climb mountains in South America with three of my best friends. And we kind of came down off of Aconcagua, which is the biggest mountain in the Americas and, um, and came into down you start sort of started in chile came down into argentina and it was on the heels of the financial crisis in argentina um one of many unfortunately for them and it was just like we were blown away by how cheap it was and we had been living in tents and you know surviving on chopped onions and tuna on crackers for four months and uh 
And so, yeah, those steaks in Argentina were pretty appealing and the $1 bottles of wine. So, yeah, I ended up staying in Buenos Aires for six months till the money ran out, came home eventually. Finally, it took us, you know, another eight months to get through about $6,000 each. And um, I went to job for a database software company in Silicon Valley and just like kind of hated my life. Um, happiness index had crashed into the mountain and um this will this will show you how old we've been how how old we are and how long we've been around but my friend who's now actually our vp of sales in matador came over to my cubicle at oracle and was like how have you heard this new site youtube and i was like nah what's youtube and he's like check out (laughs) youtube.com and he's like people's videos are getting like twenty five thousand views and i was like that's impossible and I mean, it was, uh, it's easy to forget that, you know, 15 years ago, there were no blogs, there was no participatory journalism, there was, right. there was Facebook was only for, you know, college kids with a .edu email address. And I was really inspired um, by, by that, uh, that idea that anyone could be a creator, because at that point, especially in travel, it was just like, all the content was coming from a very small number of people. And honestly, it also catered to basically old, rich white people. That's what what travel was marketed towards. So I, you know, and and I was so obsessed with like the, the, what I considered like the magic of travel, which was like the people that you would encounter, the, the adventures you'd go on, the nature you could be exposed to trying new foods, listening to new music. So I wanted to build a company that celebrated um, that sort of magic of travel rather than like the transactional deals and all-inclusive resorts and um, just basically what existed so far. So yeah, a week later, I quit my job. I moved back home with my mom uh, and, you know, paid myself a thousand dollars a month, uh, basically unemployment and started started Matador with um, my savings account and built sort of a half broken site. But we immediately struck a nerve with people who felt like I felt about travel, that there was something missing from what was out there. And so we started asking for people to submit articles. I was like, I can't pay you, but I want to publish your travel writing. And we slowly built this community up and then traffic came uh, and then we started getting into sort of breaking into the brands and agencies. I've, I realized very quickly that, um, you know, banner ads were a shitty business. It didn't really work. Um, and so we were a pioneer in branded content from very early on and said, you know, to these tourism boards and other brands, the first brands that we worked with, um, you know, we were trying to sort of say like, look, Banner ads are not very exciting. It's not going to be a big ROI for you, but we think if we create a suite of articles um, that that would be a better use of your money. And that really took off. We had some case studies. It really proved out the model very early on that branded content, um, you know, surrounded by banner ads, but mainly made the content the centerpiece. That was going to be our core business. And then mm-hmm. – um, you know, a number of years later, four years later, we started our, our studio. And now, um, 
our studio is a, a world-class production company. Uh, we've got almost 50 people just on that team. It's our biggest team. And so, you know, now we're working with the world's biggest brands. We just helped Ford launch Ford Bronco this year. We helped Samsung launch their new phone. We have a, a 600 uh, person team of, of uh, elite travel influencers that we tap to bring into these programs. And we're, um, I think this year alone, we've done uh, five, seven figure deals. Um, and so, yeah, we're doing kind of like we're, we're now the smallest fish in the big fish pond, I would say. So we're, you know, we're um, the only folks that we really compete with at this point are sort of the old guard of travel, which is like, you know, uh, Conde Nast and Meredith and Nat Geo. And then the new, very well-funded digital media companies like BuzzFeed and Group Nine and and, and those folks. So, um, yeah, awesome. it's, it's, yeah. Been a, it's been an exciting it's, ride for sure. It's been a ride. And it's, it's so I, there's so many things I want to follow up on there. But first, what was it like bootstrapping a digital media company? I mean, I wouldn't be- recommend it. Um, <laughs> I, it was uh, it was very, very difficult. But you know what? The 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 good part of it was that you know digital media in general has been kind of a disaster um vice and buzzfeed and vox these these are all supposed to be public companies by now um they were all supposed to have they they had at, at one point you know there were such high expectations for digital media um to the point that I think, you know, Disney invested something like $700 million in device that they literally right. on an earnings call had to like write down, like the, the investment was worth nothing. So mm-hmm. the, the entire industry sort of missed expectations because the business is so difficult to scale. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, you know, not having tons of VC maybe would have spoiled us had we had all that VC cash, we wouldn't have been forced to figure out like a real viable, scalable business, um, which, which being kind of a cash starved business is like forced us into that. So in a, in a way it was a blessing. Um, and now you're seeing, you know, I, I think there, there's a handful of digital media companies who have found, um, ways to grow beyond just advertising or beyond just display, um, for example, you know, BuzzFeed has a massive, you know, licensing um, business where they're aligning products with, um, with you know, content and their sort right. of content franchises. So I think it's kind of getting to be an exciting time again. But I look at it as, you know, this it definitely took us longer to get here by bootstrapping, but it also forced us into finding, you know, a really badass business model that's working. Well, it seems like it kind of forced you guys into the the branded content business, which seems to have been been really uh, lucrative for you. So talk about how um, how that evolved over the years, like you sort of grown from doing custom articles, it seems like to, you know, influencer marketing and video production, like talk about how travel marketing in that sense and travel, travel media partnerships with brands have, have changed. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that, um, it has definitely, that is our core business. That's what's worked for us. And like I said, early on, we just realized that like people don't even really click on banners. Um, and, and when they do, and then this is especially, this is like 10 years ago when 
there were, there wasn't the ad tech, there wasn't the retargeting, there wasn't um, there weren't like really high impact fancy banners that hold video. So it was just like banners were very one dimensional and kind of a boring tactic. Um, we also found that in general, there's not a lot of high quality travel content out there. Um, if you look at different content verticals and media companies like so the the sites that focus on sports or politics or celebrity gossip there's tons of huge sites travel pretty barren landscape there's not a lot of um, sites that have our scale and so we you know that was a, an, a right off the bat an advantage that it was kind of difficult to scale travel content and our model the network in Matador network is a network of about 54,000 writers, photographers, filmmakers, and influencers who we've connected with over the years. They collaborate with our editorial team, <clears throat> excuse me, on our own, you know, proprietary platform, Matador Creators. And um, that was, you know, right off the bat, we found, okay, we can scale really high quality travel content written by experts and spend almost nothing on it compared to what it costs other companies. So that was a leg up. And then when it came to the brands, um, yeah, we just found that this was, you know, you weren't going to click on a banner ad and then book a trip to Mexico or Montana. You, but if you could, if we could do a lot of the legwork for you and start to sort of figure out your trip through really high quality city guides, inspiration guides, culture guides, nightlife guides, where to stay, what to do, um, you know, amazing people you might meet along the way and, and storytelling, that was a powerful driver for actually booking travel and making trips happen. So we realized that very early on. And then, of course, when video became so huge, especially on social, um, that was kind of the no brainer next step was to take what we were doing with custom articles for our clients and then start doing custom videos so when you hear about like the pivot to video that a lot of um, these media companies did, you know, whatever yeah, years ago, um, that was more a pivot to pre-roll video. Ours was a pivot to actually building a world-class production company that almost functions like a creative agency where we can sit down with the brand, understand their goals as a company, as a brand, what they want people to know about their product, their destination, their service, and say, we're going to make tailored brand new videos with our talent from our influencer team. Um, but our Matador Studios is going to shoot the whole thing. And we basically set out to make something that is more creative than anything they've ever done. And it's more high quality than anything that any production company has ever done um, for them. And right. for this sort of level of content, that's what they would usually go out and hire a production company. But of course, there's tons of great production companies out there, but all of them are going to hand you the video and say, all right, here you go. Here's it's done. You know, good luck getting this in front of people. Whereas Matador could turn around and get that video in front of um, millions and millions of people that are right. following us on social, visiting our website. So it's that one, two punch of Really, really high quality, creative, amazing production, built in influencer talent in many cases, mm -hmm. and then also built in distribution. Um, and then one of the things, you know, that's become a huge edge for us in the last, you know, five to six years 
is that other companies, other media companies like a Nat Geo, Conde, someone like that, BuzzFeed, when they do a custom video, they just don't let the brand use it anywhere except their site. Mm. And we always thought that was bullshit because it's the brand's money that's funding the content. Um, they should be able we you know we all we own everything that we shoot. We don't ever give full blown ownership to the brand, but we allow them to license it to uh, you know in perpetuity to use on their O and O you know social channels to use on you know now a lot of folks are going connected TV so big buy mm-hmm. on Roku or programmatic video, um, and then even we've had you know, uh, basically everything except linear TV. And, um, and we very often now have partners who come back and say, man, our C level loves this video you guys made. We actually want to bring it to television and do TV rights. And so that's just like easy thing for us to sort out. It's just, a another, yeah. you know, makes the deal grow into more TV rights. And then cause something that we shot for digital is now on linear television. Yeah. I mean, I think you're, I was, you're actually sort of picking up on, on what my next question was, which is like a lot of brands are sort of leaning into, um, documentaries and feature films. Um, is that something that they're, they're asking you to do? It seems like you're really well positioned for that given, you know, the, the type of, of travel writing and, and, and coverage that you do. Yeah, we are. We're getting into um, some longer form stuff. Uh, and then we also, I can't name the network, but we're actually working on our first um, full-blown show for a big streamer that's going to straddle premium streaming and uh, and linear television. So Super cool. We're, we're pretty excited about that as well. And you also mentioned that you had a few big deals with brands. Like, what, what, like, I feel like a lot has changed recently about the uh, the publisher and advertiser relationship. Like, what are these deals like? What do you produce for them? And and are you finding that you're doing more of these sort of big project deals, or that you're you're getting sort of just like more of your revenue comes from like the day to day programmatic or whatever other sort of ongoing ad sales you have. No, I mean, we have a pro, we have a new programmatic team that's, um, kicking butt and we're doing, you know, really exciting programmatic, uh, PMPs and, and programmatic deals for brands like Airbnb is performing really well in the platform right now. But the, the majority of our revenue is still these large custom programs that include, you know, video production with massive distribution, written content. We're still doing amazing custom articles, what we call inspiration engines, like interactive flat content. And then um, also with an element of, of influencers or celeb talent or whatever it may be. Those are the ones that are, you know, the larger seven figure deals. Um, and so, yeah. I hear you have a friend in the background. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> That's okay. Um, so, I mean, just like thinking about this conversation we're having in the way that you've sort of evolved and and pivoted to keep up with consumer media habits. Like how do you stay on top of it all? And in front of it all, there's just so many shifts. Like publishers have to be on so many platforms now have really unique strategies for each. And they have to see around the corner of, of what's coming next. How do you do it? Yeah. I mean, I think that's the more, the most challenging part about, um, I think that's the most challenging part about 
media is that it's always, always changing. Um, and, and that, you know, that's sort of, uh, you know, that's, that's been our challenge too. Like, um, I, I think it's, it, it comes down to reevaluating and constantly checking in with things like social media is a good example, right? So I think if you get in the habit of just doing, um, something where you're sort of going through the motions, whatever you're doing on Facebook or Instagram, or now, you know, the, the one I'm super bullish on is TikTok. Um, you, you sort of start, you sort of get, um, complacent with kind of what, like how you do things. And then pretty soon that platform moves and then, you know, what you're doing is no longer working anymore. So it's like constantly checking in with, how how you work and how you distribute content has been really critical for us to always sort of be innovating and never be satisfied with the way things are being done. Mm, what are you guys doing on TikTok? I mean, t- TikTok is just like I, I was wrong about TikTok for about a year. I thought it was going to be, you know, kind of for kids and dance videos and all that kind of stuff and, and didn't think it was really um, – that exciting of a platform for us. And then the more I learned about it and the more I realized, um, how powerful the platform is and how many different, you know, how big it could be for travel. Um, we, we started just, we put together kind of a task force on it and we're getting about 200,000 new followers per month. Um, and we're about to break a million and we just kind of started like five months ago. Wow. Yeah. It's, the way the ability to go viral on that platform is always what's so fascinating to me. Um, so I want to talk about the past year for you and what it was like during COVID to be a, a travel-focused media company. Um, and I also want to want to talk about what's happening now because I think while things rebounded over the summer, there's now a lot of fear around the Delta variant. And um, what are you what are you seeing from advertisers in terms of how they're responding to that? Yeah, I mean, like I said, uh, since Q4 of last year, our business not only recovered, but like re- reached levels that it had never reached before. And some of that, a lot of that was not travel. Um, I think travel is definitely has not fully come back yet. And I think Delta variant will inevitably be a huge setback. It's a bummer um, for, yeah, for the travel industry. I think it's going to kind of like, tear through the world right now, unfortunately, and um, especially to unvaccinated populations. And we're even seeing that, you know, our own unvaccinated population in the U.S., people who could be vaccinated very easily, um, are allowing it to uh, to come here and to thrive here. So, um, you know, take that uh, sort of contagious aspect of it and you go to a place that does not have a high penetration of vaccinations and it's, it's an even bigger problem. So unfortunately I think what, what I hope is that, you know, things aren't going to fully shut down again, but I'm already seeing, you know, people ask us about canceling their trip that they just booked um, or how, you know, how they're going to get their money back from an airline who just canceled their flight. It's kind of like the nightmare all over again. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's, 
I wish I could say that I don't think it's going to be a problem for travel, but that's, yeah, it's not really the case. I, I don't think we're going to get back to a place where there was the insane uncertainty that we had in, you know, June, like of, of last year where everything just ground to a halt. I think for, in a lot of ways that we have had to learn how to live with this thing and that will continue but um, I, I fear we're not exactly out of the woods yet either. Yeah, it's it's super unfortunate. Um, but so tell me about like last year, what happened in March and then how you got back past surpassing your business levels in Q, by Q4. Yeah, so um, <clears throat> we uh, I was actually in Mexico when I was continuing to travel quite a bit and you know, being really safe and wearing a mask. And I was sort of the the first person I saw, even in my county in Miranda, people were looking at me weird wearing a mask in, in the grocery store. But I, I, I had a feeling it was the real thing, you know, before most people were taking COVID seriously. But I, I kept traveling and I was in Mexico, um, actually, when it really escalated. And when I realized that the entire world was about to go into a shutdown. Um, and we, you know, almost like within minutes, we started getting emails of major advertisers where we had signed deals and programs sort of like asking to back out, um, asking to cancel their insertion order, their entire campaign, you know, no, no idea if they could if it was delayed or maybe just delayed indefinitely, but for now they would need to cancel completely. And we saw, um, you know, seven figures easily evaporate off of our, um, off of our P and L in a matter of days. Um, and then just any conversations around, you know, future programs, partnerships, we had a lot kind of in the hopper at that point and all of it was canceled. So, mm-hmm. Again, you know, we were lucky that we were such a nimble and scrappy company and we had, um, we, we had had a, an amazing 2019 and the, the sort of one of the tough things about media is you oftentimes get paid long after you actually do the services. So right. campaigns had fully ended and we were owed, you know, millions of dollars. Um, so that helped a lot because our, our production costs and the hard costs for producing new campaigns essentially went to zero. Um, we, we had to furlough about 17 people from our team who now have all been hired back. And then some, our team is now bigger than it's, it's ever been. Um, but we did have to make those cuts to be safe. Uh, and, and you know, sort of everyone, you know, went all of our salaries um, decreased dramatically and, and we sort of went into power save mode, you know, over mm-hmm. those um, those months. And then we launched a program that sort of represented our the foundation of our financial recovery called the Beyond Land Road Trip. And that was with um, my friend and ex-pro skier, Kena Pickett, and his family from Montana. And he, I had just been with Kena at Sundance in Park City before – things started sort of going off the rails with COVID. And um, he was telling me that he loved this, like he'd gotten an Airstream and his family was like adventuring together all over Montana. 
And so Keena and I hatched this idea to approach Airstream. And I, I know the, the CMO there really well. We've worked with them before. Um, and just prove to especially families that they could still move around the country safely and that doing this sort of like live anywhere lifestyle and basing your entire um, existence out of an RV, um, mm-hmm. you could still have an adventurous lifestyle. You could still get your kids outside safely and you could have this like fully contained safe place to eat, sleep, you know, do, do your thing, um, as a family and even during the pandemic. And so we start, we kicked off this road trip, Airstream loved the idea. And we ended up working with General Motors, Yeti, uh, about four state tourism boards and did this, you know, huge program when no one was doing anything really in travel because everything had just been, um, canceled or a total standstill. But, um, it was an exciting idea and a lot of our, you know, the tourism board partners and, and partners like Yeti had, um, some marketing money to spend for the right, you know, campaign with the right messaging. And so that was the beginning. And then we just saw it, started to see things come back with auto, with Ford Bronco, with Samsung. Um, and then it's just been nonstop since then it's been extremely busy. Um, and I, you know, I, I think that the tr- again, the travel brands never really came back. But yeah. I think, there, I think a, a couple of them that were about to jump right back into the market, especially you know, especially the airlines and international long haul destinations. That uh, Delta will probably be a, a, another setback for them. Well, it shows it goes to show why it's really important to have like a diverse set of clients um, from different verticals. But sure, yep. Do you are you still seeing demand from these other brands, or are they getting skittish around travel content as well? We're still seeing demand. I mean, luckily, Matador also is has such a huge focus on outdoor um, mm-hmm. that we're almost as much an outdoor site as we are a travel site at this point, and that's sort of just where our audience has led us. Um, and what, what do people crave most during the pandemic? It was to get outside. It was to reconnect with nature. It was to get fresh air and get away from all people, but not be completely cooped up in your apartment in a, in a big city. So, um, that, that sort of trend, I think really helped us out and probably will continue to kind of, no matter how bad, um, the Delta variant gets, I think people are still going to need to get outside Mm-hmm. We're going to need to um, explore and connect with nature, and that's always been a, a strong suit. Got it. Interesting. I was going to ask how your editorial focus shifted, but I think you, you kind of answered it right there. Um, so I guess, you know, you, you Matador has been really savvy in sort of adapting to different, you know, situations in society as well as different revenue models like what do you see as sort of a sustainable business model for for digital media because you know publishers are like you said they they've underperformed and they're kind of trying all sorts of things like whether it's commerce or you know influencers like it seems like they're there's just juggling a million different things to to make it work what do you sort of see as a successful model I mean, I, I don't know. I think there's a lot of successful models out there. It's I only know our space really well. You know, I wouldn't know a successful model for a digital media company that focuses on celebrity gossip or 
you know, uh, makeup and beauty or something like that, that I just have no, uh, experience with. But I, I think the, the thing that we're all trying to crack at the end of the day is like, if Matador publishes an article about Iceland and someone reads that they historically would leave Matador's site, go to Expedia, book the flight with Expedia, go to, you know, Airbnb or uh, kayak and find a hotel. Um, so even though we created the inspiration to make that trip happen to Iceland, we were getting almost none of the revenue benefit of that, that trip actually happening. So mm-hmm. it's like for digital media companies, how do you close the gap and take the credit you deserve for um, the the actions that you inspire. And so for us, you know, good examples that we are a demand partner with Airbnb and we, you know, we do very well um, now recommending the best Airbnbs. And you can ask anyone who's on a world trip, you say, what's your, what's your biggest pain point on this trip? And I would say over 60% of people will say finding freaking Airbnbs. I spend hours and hours looking, comparing, searching for the right Airbnb. And so if we can help people bring, uh, bring people closer to the decision of this is the best Airbnb in Nashville for your bachelorette party, um, boom, you know, we, we can, uh, share in that action that was taken. And so, um, you know, we also just launched our own trips business, which is once in a lifetime trips. Um, it actually just launched before COVID, right before COVID escalated into a pandemic. So, kind of comical timing for that. But when, whenever the world fully opens back up, um, we're going to have massive interest in that. We're starting to do branded trips where we actually invite brands to be a part of, um, of the trips that we create. And these are like photo safari through Namibia. It's swimming with humpback whales in Tonga. It's, you know, a mezcal and, and culinary tour through Oaxaca these are like once in a lifetime trips. Um, so we're seeing a lot of interest in that. Um, and so I think it's a different mix. There's no one answer in terms mm-hmm. of the model that's going to work for every digital media company. But if you can get closer to the transaction or I think, you know, subscriptions um, just for content are kind of tough to pull off. But I know my friends at Skift have done that really well in the pandemic. They're now charging for, you know, they have just kind of like the Atlantic or something else. They've got, you get a number of free articles every month, but after Mm -hmm. that you need to pay. And if your content is right for that, uh, that's, that's a great model too. But I think just finding that interesting mix where you've got different revenue streams and you're really um, able to activate on your core audience um, that's kind of the, the winning strategy for us. Mm. Okay. Now what's probably going to be my most important question of this whole podcast, where okay. are you traveling to next? Oh yeah. So as of <laughs> now, um, I, we'll see. Right? <laughs> I'm actually leaving, um, today to go backpacking with my son. Who's five is his first overnight backpacking trip in the high Sierra. So I'm excited about that. Wow. There's a special little place, little hidden, hidden gem called echo Lake, um, above, uh, it's a little glacier lake above Tahoe. There's no roads. So you take a, a boat to the cabins and then from there, 
we'll go into what's called desolation wilderness for a couple nights of, of backcountry. Um, and then I get back from that. I go to a wedding in Jackson Hole uh, that I'm actually in. I leave from that. I go to a travel conference in L.A. I come back from that. I go to my friend's 40th birthday party in Nicaragua. And then after one day being home after that, I leave for a different wedding in Croatia. And then I'm going to take uh, my son and my partner to um, the islands, the Azores Islands and, and Madeira in, uh, in Portugal. So we're going to go check out some islands in Portugal after the wedding in Croatia. And then I come back and then I think we have a couple weeks of, of peace and, and staying home, which I'm already looking forward to. But yeah. Wow. Quite a bit of travel on the docket. We'll see how it goes. You are living the dream, sir. <laughs> um, but that's awesome. And um, let's hope, yeah, let's hope you're able to jet set like never before. Um, but thanks for your time, Ross. Really interesting chatting with you and safe travels. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Allison. Appreciate it. That's all the time we have this week. Thanks for tuning in to Campaign Chemistry and we'll see you next time.